Hello and welcome back to the EMG podcast. I'm your host, Sam Boyassi, the head of publishing at the European Medical Group, though I'm pretty sure introductions are no longer needed. Now, it won't be long until we are jetting off to France for the annual Cannes Lions Health Conference from the 17th to the 21st of June. I'll be there alongside our CEO, Spencer Gore, and content and editorial assistant, Louise Rogers. So please do feel free to pop over and say hello if you do see us around. We'll have a filming station set up somewhere. Um, We will subsequently be providing one of the official reviews of the event in the next issue of Gold, which will be published on the 29th of August. So do keep a note of that date in your diary so that you don't miss out on it. To get you guys ready and excited for this Congress, we have dedicated this week's episode to looking back to last year's event. And in particular, we're going to focus on extracts from interviews we held during the four day event uh, with some big names in the life sciences industry. During last year's conference, we were caught up with Gwenon White, who is the UK Director of Communications at AbbVie. She told us all about AbbVie's live lab projects, uh, which aims to provide opportunities for cross-industry collaborations, an area of the utmost importance in the industry. So Live Lab is a complex project dealing with a very complex medical issue, which is the psychological barrier that affects people from actually seeking medical advice, even when they have worrying health symptoms. What we recognise is although we have some resources and expertise in this area, we need to reach beyond the traditional boundaries of pharmaceutical um, collaborations and actually get important perspectives from other sectors and other industries in order to find solutions that will truly engage with patients in order to actually improve those outcomes. So the Live Lab project convened a group of um, experts right across data, tech, digital, and creativity, as well as health, and through a series of meetings, we understood that what we all had in common was that we needed to develop a better understanding of people's behaviours in the way that they actually engage with the health system. And the overall objective was to actually gather a robust data set that would allow us to characterise this fear of finding out so that we can actually go to health systems around the world and actually provide them with this data set in order to um, develop more solutions. She later went on to tell us where she sees the role of patients in the biotech industry over the next five years. Patients and their patient experience is absolutely key to improving the overall health of all nations and also in helping health systems to actually deliver a more efficient way of actually supporting their populations. So we believe as an industry that understanding and finding solutions for those patients' experience are really, really important. Um, We do that in multiple ways at the various stages of the development journey of the asset, all the way through to how patients are engaging in their level of understanding around their conditions. And then this project goes furthermore into looking at even before people become patients, what actually motivates patients and people to take healthier lifestyle choices that could actually prevent them from going into ill health later in life. Another person we spoke to, but from slightly outside of the pharma industry, was Eric Peacock, who is the co-founder and CEO of My Health Teams. 
My health teams, for those of you that don't know, are involved in creating social networks for communities of people facing chronic conditions. So it's of great value to those patients, essentially. And the unique knowledge that this organization gains into the lives of patients has also made them an important partner to the pharma industry. And here, Eric explained the different ways they work with pharma. So we partner with pharmaceutical companies in three ways. Uh, the first is to truly understand what consumers who happen to be diagnosed with a chronic condition uh, need and what they're thinking about. We've found that a lot of times pharmaceutical marketers and pharmaceutical even uh, R&D folks rely on doctors or key opinion leaders to come up with the priorities for patients. But oftentimes what a, what a KOL says and a doctor says is different from what actual patients might say. So the value for the members is getting their voice heard directly by the pharmaceutical companies so that they can understand what their needs are. So a lot of the research we do with pharma companies comes in the form of listening to the conversations on our social network, as well as surveying people on the social network um, to understand their needs. The second thing we then do is try to meet their needs with patient resources. So we partner with pharmaceutical companies to do disease state education and awareness, um, and other unbranded type of um, patient education as well as branded patient education. So if you have been diagnosed and you've been prescribed a drug like say Humira, you could come to the social network and learn about um, what copay assistance is available for that particular drug. So the third way we partner with pharma companies is on clinical trial recruitment and actually getting input from members on how to design a trial. So those three ways, the research, the patient education, the clinical trial recruitment, I think all are things that we can be proud of in, in serving our members because it's in their best interest too. With the importance of real-world evidence growing increasingly in the life sciences sector, Eric also described my health teams as plans to utilize the data in the future. It's a great question. Um, what we've found is when you lead with the social, meaning, meaning they come to your website, they come to your social network, these users, so that they can engage with each other. Just get out of their way and let them do that. When you do that, they end up sharing an enormous amount of information about them, just like you or I might on our Facebook profile or our LinkedIn profile, except here it's all information about their condition. And the reason they're sharing that is not because they want to do science. It's because they want to find other people exactly like them. So. We think about the data they share there as sacrosanct, it is private. We never want to do anything that would um, belie their trust in us. But what we also think about it as is it's another indicator of what is relevant to them. And if you want to be relevant, um, you need to understand, like if I'm reaching out to, you, out to you about Remicade, for example, but you've already developed the antibodies to Remicade, well, that would be a waste of your time. It wouldn't be targeted and relevant. And I think this form of real-world evidence is different than the typical clinical trial you know, outcomes measures. You're looking at really how people are impacting, how it's impacting their life on a day-to-day -day basis. That's pretty critical. Now that's all from us this week. I personally can't wait to attend Cannes in a few weeks and gain insights from a lot more top names within the industry, um, especially in life sciences and generally within the creatives industry because a lot of it is stuff that pharma can generally learn from, um, similar to last year and, and 
of course, as I mentioned, we will be explaining and covering a lot of these in the upcoming gold issue, which, as I mentioned, is published on the 29th of August. So make sure you go ahead on our website now and subscribe for free. It's www.emg-gold.com. Thanks for listening and see you again next week for another edition of the EMG podcast. Mm-hmm.